talking to Tavita. I love the way our worship team are up here to worship, yeah. you know, yeah. not to perform for y'all. Right. Like they're professional and that's great and they, you know, and they, um, they practice, you know, like everyone, like if God's given you a gift, you ought to hone it, sharpen it, steward it, right? But I love that um, when they're up here, they're here worshiping. And see Tavita just singing and tears running down his face and I'm like, I love that our worship team is a worship team. You know, and I think, yeah, you would see that, hey. You know that, right? I know a lot of you come here and you put up with my sermons so you can worship with this team. And you're like, because you see it too, right? And that's why you love it. And that's why there's such a sweet spirit in um, in this church, because we're here to worship God and. You know, we were praying before church that we would, um, that in our worship, that, that while it'd be great if God ministers to us, if God moves in our lives, if God does miracles in our hearts, but that in our worship, that we, that we would be satisfied leaving knowing that all that happened was that we worshipped Him and we lifted His name up. Even if he did nothing in return, that we would be happy to come to church just to elevate the name of Jesus, to lift up the name of Jesus, to bring praise and worship and adoration to God who deserves our praise, who deserves our worship. Can I get an amen, church? I think sometimes it's good. I come to church expecting God to move, but happy if the only thing that happens is that my heart is moved to worship Him more. And if that's the move of God, then I'm happy with that. Amen? Y'all ready for church? Awesome. It's so good to be here. I love you. I really do. I've been doing this now for 11 years, and I still love all of you. I still aren't annoyed by you and your drama, you know? Because <laughs> we've all got some, right? Come on, we're all growing. If you ain't growing, then you're dead. You know? If you ain't growing, you're dying. And I hope that in your heart, you're still growing closer to the Lord and in your faith. Amen? <clears throat> uh, by the way, if you're new... Here today, we've got a gift for you. Please run out to the lobby after the service and grab that. Um, there's a team of fluorescent yellow people that are sort of by the doors out there. Uh, you'll see it. Can't miss it. And they just want to give you a gift. Um, that's at all of our campuses as well. Uh, there's a team of people just by the doors there. So uh, anyway, so glad you're all here. I'm going to read uh, the word. I'm going to read from uh, Genesis chapter, f- chapter 16. I'm going to read from verses 1 to 6. So you got your Bibles? All right, if you don't have one of these, just pull up uh, your phone, uh, and there's a lot of great free Bibles on your phone as well. I use Logos, but that's because it's a study app as well, Uh, but I do prefer to preach from this um, leather-bound beauty that I've got here. So, Uh, Again, Genesis chapter 16. It says, Now Sarah, Abram's wife, had borne him no children. She had a female Egyptian servant whose name was Hagar. Remember, female, Egyptian servant, whose name was Hagar. And Sarah said to Abram, Behold, now the Lord has prevented me from bearing children. Go in to my servant. Someone say servant. Uh, It may be that I shall obtain children through her. She's like, y'all, let's go with surrogacy. And Abram listened to the voice of Sarah. So after Abram had lived 10 years in the land of Canaan, Sarah, Abram's wife, took Hagar, her servant, and gave her to Abram, her husband, as a wife. And he went into Hagar, and she conceived. And when she saw that she had conceived, she looked with contempt at her mistress. And Sarah said to Abram, May the wrong done to me be on you. 
I gave my servant to your embrace, and when she saw she had conceived, she looked on me with contempt. May the Lord judge between you and me. I feel like he's probably going to judge you both. (laughs) But Abram said to Sarah, Behold, your servant is yours to do as you please. Then Sarah dealt harshly with her, and Hagar fled from her. That's a jacked up story. Come on. It's a jacked up story. We're going to unpack it tonight. Heavenly Father, thank you so much for the privilege of being in your house, for the privilege it is to preach your word, for the privilege it is to lift up your name. God, and I thank you that when we do come into your house, that you do move in our lives, that our lives are ministered to, that our hearts are ministered to, that our relationships have an opportunity to be restored, that our bodies even can be healed, that our minds can be renewed, Lord God, that our faith can be uplifted, God, and that we can learn in your house, in your Father's house, we can learn in our Father's house how we ought to live, how we can live better in a way that pleases you more. And I pray today that as we open up our hearts to all of those possibilities that you would move in our lives, God, in this moment where we study your word, that we could learn from this ridiculous story. And I pray this in the name of Jesus. Someone else say amen. 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 Come on, praise God. Come on, give him five more seconds of praise if you're thankful. (laughs) Amen. All right, you may take your seats. High five someone if you want to. If you're still scared to touch people's hands, may the Lord deliver you from the fear of the Rona. And you just get back into community and intimacy again. Amen. Today I want to talk to you about the fruit of impatience. Okay, someone say the fruit of impatience. All right. We often look at fruit as a good thing, don't we, right? You've got to eat your fruit and veggies, right? We look at fruit like it's a good thing in our lives. We say things like a fruitful life is A, B, or C. I, I want to be a fruitful person or whatever. Uh, but the truth is that a bad life bears fruit too. It's just not a good fruit, right? A bad life will bear bad fruit um, and uh, diseased fruit and uh, maybe some rotting or rotten fruit. Uh, Jesus said that every healthy tree bears good fruit, but a diseased tree bears bad fruit. And my friends, today I want to talk to you about impatience and how it's a diseased tree and it bears bad fruit. Impatience will never do anything good in your life. Uh, Today we want to look at this moment in Sarah and Abram's life and see that diseased and awful fruit uh, that their impatience brought into their lives. And so I've got, uh, I'm going to share with you uh, five points uh, on the fruit of impatience. So you ready for that? All right, I'm going to get right into it. Um, and because uh, I wanted to make sure that we have some time to pray today, so I skipped a big chunk at the start there. Um, I want to make sure that you've got time uh, to do business with God uh, here today. So, um, <clears throat> impatience, this is my first point. Impatience wants the promise, but it doesn't want the process. Okay? Impatience wants the promise without the process. See, impatience loves vision. Impatience loves getting a word from God about the good things that are coming in the future. Impatience loves having a big dream in its heart. Impatience loves seeing great things that are coming, but it hates having to wait for the great things that are coming. Impatience dreams big, but has small faith. Impatience loves getting a promise, but it hates having to submit to the process that leads to the promises of God in, in, in their lives. Impatience loves, I can do all things, but it hates through Christ who strengthens me. Come on now. Impatience wants victory now. Impatience wants blessing now. Impatience wants the promise now. But the problem with skipping the process is that you don't build the character that you need to sustain what God plans to bring into your life. That means like if you skip the process, you won't have the character to sustain the promise in your life and the promise will die. When I was younger, my finances were a mess. I've told this story to some of y'all before. And I knew that God's promises of my life 
was favor. And I knew that tithing would bring financial freedom, but I wanted that financial freedom now, and I wanted that victory now, and I wanted somebody to write me a check and give me one of those, <clears throat> one of those $10,000 miracles that everybody talks about. You hear what I'm saying? You know, that the preachers would travel to Australia and get up on our stages and tell us that I was desperate and God made a miracle, and, and I was broke and God brought a miracle, and I couldn't pay my bills and God brought a miracle. And I wanted one of those miracles. I wanted that financial freedom now. But it's the process, it was the process of digging out of that hole in my life that created in me the character and, to be honest, the skills to handle the favor that later came in my life. <clears throat> it was the process, it was the, it was the, it was the, 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 the tenacity, it, it, it was the don't give up, it, it, it was the skills that I learned when I was broke trying to pay my bills. It was those skills that gave me the character to sustain the promises that came in my life. Y'all with me, church? Often a sudden and process-free promise will lead to a reaffirming of bad habits in our lives. It's the same with weight loss, right? Weight loss without a process will almost always lead to short-term weight loss. Weight loss without a process almost always leads to weight gain right after we get to that miracle weight that we've always wanted in our lives because the process has never changed. Nothing changed. The, the character wasn't built, so to speak. It's the same with other miracle cures and whatnot in our lives. If we just get sudden promises, you know, we hear about people's suddenlies, right? We hear about it in the Word. Suddenly there came a, a sound of rushing wind when they were up in, but that was after 10 days of, of, of nothing, of waiting, of waiting, and, and of waiting. And then after the waiting, after the process, after the tarrying, then there was a suddenly. And, and what we see in everybody's lives around us is the suddenly, but we never see the waiting. But the waiting creates the characters to sustain the suddenlies in our lives. Impatience wants the promise without the process. Impatience wants the all things are possible, wants the I can do all things, but without the Christ who gives me strength. Sometimes impatience actually pretends to be faith. Often when we act out of impatience, we make fake faith statements like, I'm just going to jump and you watch God will catch me. And then we, 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 we land on our face and we're like, where were you, God? And he's like, I did not tell you to do that. <laughs> did you hear what I'm saying? Right? But God's like, I wasn't involved in this. You came up with the plan and told me what to do. And that's not how this works. Right. It's not how it works with my kids either. When they're like, Dad, here's what we're going to do. I'm like, i got news for you. It's not going to be that. Like, I love you, but that's a really bad plan. Are you hear what, hearing what I'm saying, church? We're just like, I'm just going to jump. God's going to catch me. And the Holy Spirit's yelling, don't do it. And we're like, I'm going to do it. Maybe leadership in our lives is saying, hey, look, seriously, I'm not being a killjoy. I don't mean to be a Debbie Downer. Not that there's anything wrong with Debbies, all right? I don't mean to be a Debbie Downer, but maybe, I, maybe you might want to run that through the word of God a little bit more. I can imagine Abram going, oh, baby, let's go. God made us a promise. Sarah, you're right. God made us a promise. Let's just jump, baby. Let's, let's just jump and see what God's going to do. This is it. Hey, everybody, watch this. Y'all know God made us a promise. I've been talking to you about the promise that God made in our lives. We've got big faith. Y'all need to have faith like us because we're just going to jump off this cliff. Angels are going to catch us. Yeah, it didn't work out that way. Come on now. Sometimes we look like we've got big faith, but really this fake faith is masking a lack of faith that God will actually do what he said and we don't have to force it. Come on now. You, you, you never have to sleep with somebody else to get the promise, just FYI. Hello, if you're married, you never have to sleep with somebody else to get the promise, FYI. Can somebody amen that louder? Amen. 
Oh, there it is. Come on now. Sometimes fake faith just masks a lack of faith. That doesn't trust in God's timing. It doesn't trust in the process because the process isn't as appealing as the promise, is it? Impatience imitates faith, but really it contradicts faith. It doesn't trust God. Hey, 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 I'm going to go sleep with my wife's servant and watch God come through. Trust me, church, that ain't it. Mm, That ain't it. If you're waiting on a promise, or even if you've received a promise, make sure you're as willing to submit to the process as you are excited about the promise. Because I'm here to tell you tonight, I'm here to tell you today, that the process is as, if not more important, than the promise. Because without the right process, the promise will come, and the promise will go. Just fast forward a few chapters, and you'll see, guess what? Ishmael, who was born out of impatience, is gone. He's gone. Because a promise without a process or a calling without a character will leave you as fast as it came. So don't skip the process, or you may lose the promise. Come on, are you all hearing me tonight? Amen. Y'all ready for my next point? All right, we're going to get there in a second. Sarah said, go into my servant. It may be that I shall obtain children by her. And Abram listened to Sarah. Uh, I love that that's in there. And Abram listened to Sarah. Man, this is a warning. Don't listen. That's not it at all. That's, that's not it at all. That, that's not it. I'm, I'm messing with y'all right now. Come on now. <laughs> but listen, here's the thing. Impatience makes foolishness look wise. Abraham saying yes to Sarah was absolute foolishness. The foolishness of Abram, Sarah going, hey, Abram, sleep with my servant. In what world do you fall for that trick and think there's not going to be blowback with your wife? Come on now. I'm just picturing that, 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 that guy from Star Wars, you know. It's a trap. <laughs> like he was there. Sometimes I think the Holy Spirit looks like that guy, right? When, when, the, when the wife is saying, you know what? Go sleep with my servant. And the Holy Spirit hits a trap. And Abram's like, yeah, but she's fine. I like Egyptian women. Right? Come on now. Too deep, too harsh, too hard. In what world do you fall for that? Why? Because impatience makes foolish things look wise. I've had friends who have actually had their wives say this. They were having marriage issues or whatever. And she said, hey, let's invite other people and other images into our bedroom. And in a desire to get a miracle, a quick fix for their problems, some spice back into their marriage, he said yes. Can I tell you, man, you know what I hate is the whole um, uh, yes, dear, garbage that men say about their wives. Do you know what I'm talking about when... You know, when women speak and men, yes, dear, yes, dear. You know that joke that they make? Just say, you know, the advice they give young kids when she speaks, just say, yes, dear. You know what? If it's stupid, say, no, dear. Can I, can I share a, a secret with you that's not popular? Women are not better than men. Someone right now is a little offended. I didn't say men are better than women. I just clarified that y'all aren't better than us. And when you speak, you have the capacity to be stupid as much as we do. And when you are being stupid, we should say no, dear. Is this all right? You can flip that script too, all right? Just flip that script right around the other way. I'm just saying... Abram, you don't say yes, dear, all the time. It's bad marriage advice. What happened to being a leader in your family? Yes, dear. Oh, you can lead now. Right? I've had friends say yes, dear, to this. Oh, they're divorced now, by the way. 
Because the miracle of the sudden spice and excitement brought a fruit that quickly rotted. When we are impatient or unwilling to submit to the process, and all we want is the promise, and the promise now, we tend to make really foolish decisions. Really, really foolish decisions. If you want some spice back in your marriage, you're going to have to work it, baby. You can't bring in a magazine. You can't bring in a hooker. You can't bring in some adulterer and make an adulterer of yourselves. That ain't it. You're going to have to work on your marriage. You want to get excited again? Love your wife. Love your husband. Come on now. This ain't it, Abram. Because when it comes without work, it's going to hurt. And that rhymes so you know it's true. Because if they alliterate, they're preaching the truth. It's a joke, relax. Someone's new and they're like, that ain't it either. I'm like, I know, it's a joke. As we head into my third point, I want to show you something really, really fascinating that I never noticed before this week, okay? Like, like this is mind-blowing. Let me, let me get myself ready for it, all right? Uh, I've got to have Genesis chapter 21 open with me. Don't worry, you don't have to go there. It's going to be up on the screen in a moment. What verse is it? 10, all right. I should have highlighted it, but I got this. Check this out. All right. So, so we have in Genesis 21, verse 10, all right, check this out. It says here, and we'll put it up in a minute, but, but not yet. Uh, it says, um, she said, Sarah said to Abram, cast out this slave woman. Let's say it again. Verse 10 of chapter 21. Sarah said to Abram, or to Abraham now, cast out this slave woman. Someone say slave woman. We'll read it again. 21, 10. She said to Abraham, cast out this slave woman. But when, but when I go back a few pages, I don't think that's how she spoke about Hagar back then. I think it said in verse 2, she said, Behold now, the Lord has prevented me from having kids. So go in to my servant. Cast out this slave woman. Go in to my servant. Put it up here. Go in to my servant. Cast out this slave. What happened? Do you know the difference between those two words? Keep it up there. See, a, a servant, now we may think, aren't they the same? No, they're not. It was different words. It wasn't a translation issue. They're different words. Okay? And a servant was, was like someone that they're part of the household. What did Abraham say just a week ago when I preached? Or was it two weeks ago? What did Abraham say? Abram said that a a member of my household will inherit my stuff. He was talking about Elijah. I can never say his name right, but he was talking about his servant. In fact, Sarah viewed so highly of Hagar, loved her so much as a servant, as a potential heir, that she was willing to have her birth her kid. <clears throat> And now, fast forward five chapters, and they're saying, cast out this slave. You see, not only does impatience cause you to skip the very necessary process on the way to receiving the promise, and not only does it make foolish things look wise or enticing, but, but, but it will also change the way that you see people. It's like from Genesis chapter 16 to Genesis chapter 21, Sarah's entire view of Hagar has done a complete 180 because impatience changes the way we see people. And it changes the way we treat people. 
And Sarah, in her impatience to reach the promise, went from seeing Hagar as an important and wonderful part of the household, almost part of the family, to seeing her as nothing more than a slave to be cast out, thrown away and forgotten. Hagar went from an honored servant to an inconvenient slave. And I've seen so many people behave like this. Business leaders or people just trying to be some kind of influential person, pastors even. I've seen business owners in an impatient desperation to obtain the dream. The workers who they used to love and value have become like slaves to them. They used to stop and pray for them in the middle of their hardships and now their hardships are inconveniences. They used to look after the workers, paying them decent, but in their impatience to become wealthy and successful, which perhaps God even promised the wealth and success to them. I don't know, I wasn't in the room. But somehow they've changed the way they treat their staff and their workers. And suddenly what was a servant, almost like a part of my household, is now a slave that can be burned if I have to. Pastors can be like this too. God speaks and says that he's going to give them a platform to minister to hundreds or to thousands of people. And in a desperation to achieve the goal, they lose sight of the people that God called them to minister to. It can become about the dream instead of about the people. And we had this dream to minister to thousands of people, and now we've got the dream to see thousands of people. Instead of actually caring about the people. And they were people to be ministered to, and now they're slaves to my vision. Perhaps there's a big deadline coming up. Maybe there's a big event on its way. And you're so focused on the event or the moment that you've dreamed of that you treat everyone around you like a slave. Now, hey, don't get me wrong. I'm not saying every worker, by the way, needs to be paid $20 an hour. If you want to be paid $20 an hour, do a $20 an hour job. Is that all right to say? I am not a communist. (laughs) Ask my daughter. Anytime you say the word Australia to her, she will go, bloody commies. And yes, I taught her that. And my mother-in-law loves it. My father really does love it. But uh, my mother-in-law, not so much. I know that some people, hey, look, if you want to earn more than minimum wage, at some point graduate from cooking a burger. Uh, I'm just saying, right? Like, have a a little bit of motivation in your life. Is this all right to say? All right? So so on the the flip side, uh, if you want what Abraham's got, you might want to be willing to carry the weight that Abraham's got to carry. Is that all right to say? A lot of people want what others have, but don't want to do what they've done, don't want to do what they do. They just want what they have because it's lust. It's just as bad, just so you know. You want the money? Do the work. All right? But from the other perspective, it's frustrating when people get so focused on the work that they actually mistreat the people around them, start treating them like slaves, like resources to be burned, like it's the 1800s and we're digging a dam and who cares if 100 people die. They're not slaves, they're not resources, they're people. And if you're a believer, God's called you to minister to them. Yeah, you may have to fire someone. I have had to do that too. But come on, we got to minister to people. we got to love people, amen. we got to pray for people. They don't become inconveniences in our lives. For the impatient people, receiving the promise will usually result in a permanent affirmation of bad behavior. Where once they get the promise, they're so used to not caring about people that that's how they'll treat them for the rest of their lives. Don't let people turn into slaves in your mind. Don't become so focused on what you don't have and what you want to have that you mistreat or neglect what you do have. Can I get an amen? Amen? Is that all right? Good. Write it down then. Um, I was talking to a couple of our staff this week and I said, if you believe that someone in your life might have something decent to say that might be worth remembering, you should have your notepad out ready to write it down. 
Unless you're like my son Eli, who just remembers every single word ever said and every single thing he's ever read. I think he's going to become a spy. Anyone seen that show Psych? Yeah, he's like that. It's scary. All right, you ready for number four? All right, cool, cool. All right, some people are like, I just don't like this sermon. All right, number four. Impatience creates conflict with our loved ones. After Abram and Sarah's impatient little uh, sexcapade, uh, they then start having some issues and some conflict. And Sarah, who told him to do it, which is no excuse for Abram because they're not always right, just like we're not. But Sarah, who told him to do it, then says, may the wrong done to me be on your head. And I'm like, girl, this was your idea. Anyone else? Come on now. And later on, Sarah is demanding that Abram cast Hagar out. Cast out the mother of your son and your son also. Oh man, impatience will cause conflict in your family. Someone once said to me that building a church, and it's probably the same for building a business or whatever it is that you do, maybe even the same working a job. Someone once said to me that building a church, you'll always have to disappoint people because everybody wants things a little bit different. Someone's going to be like, I wish the music was louder and someone's going to be like, the music's too loud. And I'm just going to go, well, I'll just roll with how I like it then. You know, and because there's always going to be somebody. And honestly, if you don't come to a church because the music's not loud enough, you're not here for God. And if you won't come to the church because the music's a little bit louder, bring some earplugs or you're not here for God, right? Like, you know, like, let's get over these little things like that, right? But they said, you're going to have to disappoint some. sometimes friends, sometimes your leaders or your staff or the people in your church, and sometimes even your family, but don't let it always be your family. Don't always choose the person in the hospital over time with your kids. Sometimes, not always, but other staff can visit people too. Don't always choose the meetings over going to your kids' sporting events. See, right now our church is growing a lot and I'm working a lot and I'm working really hard on our building project uh, to make, uh, not to make that happen, but to do my part, you know what I mean? God has spoken and we're gonna do our part and we're working really, really hard and I've got to a lot going on in our lives and a lot of stuff going on with our family internationally as well that we're working on and helping with. And, and, and every week on Thursday, we have a service planning meeting with the host and the production team and the worship pastor to go through the service and to go through the sermon notes and to make sure that we're, you know, all on board. Do you know what I mean? Like that we all know what's going on. And, but the last five weeks, I've missed every single one of those meetings because Judah had track for five weeks. I'll be at the rest of them, but I chose track with Judah. Now I know you might not be able to do that, but I just happen to be the boss here, so I got to choose my son. But it is his and our family's first ever involvement in American school sports, right? Whole new thing, they're, they're like, they send emails, we got track at this town today. Like I'm supposed to know where that school is. Like, I'm supposed to know which of the five schools in that town is the one that I'm meant to be at. And after going to three, I'm like emailing the guy, bro, I need an Addy every single time we go to track, please, right? But we're learning. But I could easily, in my desperate desire to keep growing, let my boy and my family and my wife down more and more and more. But that'll cause conflict in my family. And God has given me a vision and God has given me a dream but I'm not gonna chase that thing so hard and so fast and try to rush it so much that they suffer. That conflict's created in the family. Because after all, my first church is my home. Perhaps you've been so desperate to get rich that you're sacrificing your family. Perhaps you're so desperate to be influential, to be wealthy or to be famous that your family has begun to be a bit of an inconvenience in your life. You're like, oh man, other people don't have to deal with this. Yeah, they do, they just don't put it on Instagram. Their husbands and their wives and their kids are psycho sometimes too, just FYI. But it's never on Instagram. They've always got makeup on. It always looks good. And the photos are always of the cleanest part of the house. Right? But same thing, as I said before, right? Sometimes we get so focused on what we don't have and what we want to have that we mistreat or neglect the family 
that we do have. Before I get to my last point, I want to uh, I want to remind you real quick that God has spoken, yes. God is still speaking, yes. And God will continue to speak. Not only that, but God always does what God says he'll do. Do you believe me? Like God's not a liar. If God says it, I believe it, that settles it. Amen. If God promised to make a great nation out of you, God will make a great nation out of you. If God promised to heal you, God will heal you. If God promised to restore your family, God will restore your family. If God promised to get you through a difficult divorce, and I'm not saying you should get divorced, but sometimes you don't have a choice. If God promised to get you through it, God will get you through it. If God promised to make your marriage great again, then God will make your marriage great again. Amen? For no matter how many promises God has made, they are yes in Christ, and so through him, the amen is spoken by us. That's 2 Corinthians 1.20. If God has said it, I say amen. Come on, if God has said it, I say amen. I remember once people said, we say yes and amen. I'm like, no, God says yes, so we say amen. What does amen mean? So be it. I believe it. Let it be, Lord. It's a, amen is a faith statement. Amen is that. Amen is like, yeah, what he said. That's going to happen. Amen? Amen. Amen. All of God's promises are yes. And every promise that he has made, we say Amen. And Jesus said, with man, this is possible. Sorry, with man, this is impossible. But with God, all things are possible. Amen? Amen. I'm just reminding you, after all of that, yes, God does fulfill his promises. With God, all things are possible. Matthew 19, 26. He fulfills his promises. Nothing is impossible for God. All things are possible in Christ Jesus. Amen. Amen. But here's the thing. When God does do what he said... When God does do the miracle, when God does bring the promise, will you have already created an Ishmael? Will you already have created something that will be a thorn in the side of your Isaac for the rest of your life? You know, Ishmael's descendants have actually caused trauma, drama, and pain for the descendants of Isaac for all of human history. The so-called prophet of Islam, Muhammad, was a descendant of Ishmael. The entire Muslim faith that has been a thorn in Israel's side as long as they can remember, that thorn came from the fruit of Sarah and Abram's impatience to see the promise of God come to pass. No, did you know that? That all these nations that surround Israel and hate their guts are descendants of the fruit of impatience and have been a thorn in Isaac's side ever since. Church, when God has spoken, he will do it. But will impatience have already put an Ishmael in front of your Isaac? You want to see your business grow faster than God planned? Grow at all costs, you'll be creating Ishmaels all along the way. You'll be creating Ishmaels all along the way, and they won't go away just because the promise arrived. Isaac came, Ishmael has been a thorn ever since. Choruses of people whose lives have been burned up and beat up along the way. You want to see intimacy in your marriage again? You want to see your marriage restored? But while you're waiting, will you be faithful? Will you keep trusting God? Because if you deviate in the waiting, you'll create an Ishmael that won't go away even when the promise arrives. Oh yeah, eventually Ishmael may be out of sight, sent away like Ishmael and Hagar, but the after effects will be a pain in your side for many, many years. Yes, your marriage can be restored. I believe it will in Jesus' name. But you can't undo what you did in the waiting. You want to have a baby. There's a process. You get married. And you have a baby. 
And, and, if you, and if you go against that process, Ishmael's get created. Thorns get created. You want to climb the ladder at work? At all costs, I'm going to treat everybody like crap around me. You're going to be creating Ishmael's. When you finally get up there, Ishmael's going to hate you. You want to be a leader, but without going through the process. The process creates the strength and the integrity to stand up when everybody's kneeling or to run when everybody's standing still or to speak up when everybody wants you to shut up. Maybe even to shut up when everybody else is speaking up. If you skip the process, you'll lack the character and the strength to do the right things when it gets hard to do the right thing. And then when you finally stand up or finally speak up or finally start running, there will be a fat, ugly, frustrating, stinking Ishmael running around screaming, making noise in the background. It's a big warning, isn't it? Have you created some Ishmaels? I would love to tell you they're going to go away. But what's done will always have been done. God doesn't give us time machines. What's done will always have been done. Oh, but God is gracious. And God is kind. And God does love his children. And we really can do all things through Christ who strengthens us. Amen. And we can get through it. And even with a bunch of Ishmaels, we can carry on. And we can find wisdom through our past failures. We can even pray that God will do something good through our Ishmaels. Because one thing is for sure, while we may regret our Ishmaels, we can get to the point where we see God has done something great through them anyway. Can I get an amen? All things work together for the benefit of those who love the Lord. Can I get an amen? amen? But even though that's true, you may still be like, I do regret having done what I've done. That's true for me. I feel like our church grew, so, grew faster, bigger, and more influential than my training could handle. And so then instead of caring about the job to teach the people, I cared about how many people there were there to teach. Do you see what I'm saying? And so then I didn't stand up and speak up and speak up and run at all the right times. I'm not glad I created some Ishmaels. Being so weak probably hurt other people. Maybe we've pushed people too hard, or maybe I've lost my temper with my kids too fast in the past. Or maybe I was too weak in my leadership. But from all of them, I can see that God has made me a better person, better father, and a better leader. Because God does use all things for the benefit of those who love the Lord. Amen. And hey, for Abram, a couple of chapters later, something really great still happens. Isaac comes along. Unfortunately for Isaac, there's been a few Ishmaels that he's had to deal with for thousands of years. But Isaac did still come along. And God did make Abram the father of a great nation. And his descendants are innumerable. And so God's promise did come true. But today, as we close... I'm going to have the band come. Oh, that was so well-timed. If I just didn't say anything, it would have been even more slick. <clears throat> if you've created some Ishmaels, I want to give you some advice. Humble yourself. Humble yourself. Repent to God for not trusting him and for not being willing to submit to his process. Commit to trusting him. Commit to his process moving forward, amen? His way may be temporarily harder, but we've got to believe that his way is better. And, and, and I don't know about you, God's done some great things through Abram, then Abraham, and Isaac, 
But I, I feel like it would have been better if Abram just waited for God's way the whole time. Anybody else? Yesterday, a whole bunch of rockets were fired at Israel. And if Abram did it God's way, those rockets actually wouldn't have been fired yesterday. No, like seriously. That wouldn't have happened yesterday. So let's just admit, God, your way is better. Ask God to help you see faith is better than foolishness. Be humble with the people that you've begun to see or treat differently than how you know you were supposed to treat them or how you're used to. Be humble and be like, you know what? I think I can do better. You know, it's okay to admit that you've made mistakes to people. You know, it's okay to admit to people that you lead or that you employ that, hey, I actually aren't Jesus, just if you didn't know that, and so I'm sorry. You'll be surprised how many of them didn't think you were Jesus. Uh, it's going to be a really big percentage of them that will not be shocked that you're not perfect. You can admit it. They already know it. You're the only one that's scared to say it. They've been telling each other. Now, they shouldn't be doing that. That's gossip. But they have been. Be humble with your family. You know what? Be humble with your Ishmael. You might need to admit that you made him. God, why did you do this to me? Bro, you made him. I was there saying, it's a trap. And you went in and did what you did. Did that Egyptian dance that I told you don't do that? You know, it's okay to admit you made Ishmael. It's all right, grace upon grace upon grace upon grace. Come on, someone say grace upon grace upon grace. Come on, grace upon grace upon grace, amen. Just admit that you made him. And then ask God to help you deal with him. Because he's going to be a wild donkey of a man. That's what scripture said. And he'll be against everybody forever. And, 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 and he has been, hasn't he? So ask God to help you fortify your borders. To help you deal with him. To have the strength to carry on, even as Ishmael's attacking you on every side. To help you develop wisdom through the mistake. That all things might benefit you. Amen. And if you're dealing with an Ishmael, you don't have to. But I would. Y'all know what I'm going to say next, don't you? If you're dealing with an Ishmael, you don't have to. You can go out for a meal. But what would I do? I'd come to the altar. And I'd say, hey man, I need prayer. Because I got this wild donkey running around in my life. Getting in the way of my Ishmael. Sorry, in the way of my Isaac. Amen. I want to close with this. The only thing we ought to be patient, uh, sorry, impatient with is impatiently asking God to give us patience. I was talking to a friend of mine yesterday, or maybe it was the day before. I was told him I'm preaching the fruit of impatience. And he said, for me, when I'm feeling impatient, I pray to God that he would give me patience. Now! You know? Amen. But know this, when you ask God, y'all know what I'm going to say now, don't you? Everybody knows what I'm going to say now. When you ask God to give you patience, he's not going to give you patience, but a process that will develop patience. The dream is patience, and the process will get you there. What am I saying? There'll be an opportunity to develop patience. There once was a very impatient man. And the older he got, the more impatient he became. So he decided, I've got to go away and learn how to be patient. So he built for himself a little home deep in the woods, far away from any people and any drama. Years later, another man was traveling through those same woods and he ran into the impatient man. And the man was amazed to find somebody living 
so far away from the rest of the world. So he asked the little hermit why he was there all by himself. And the hermit said, I'm here learning how to be patient. And the traveler asked him, how long have you been there? And the man replied, seven years. And stunned, the traveler or the explorer asked, if there's no one around to bother you, how will you know when you're patient? Frustrated, the hermit said, go away. Got no time for this. And everybody wants to develop patience without having people needing patience in their lives, right? And everybody wants to develop patience, but with no situations that might possibly require it. You can't develop it far away from people. You can't develop it away from problems and away from needs. You'll gain patience by needing to trust God, by going through the process, by being around annoying people, probably. And so today, some of y'all have been begging for the process to end, but what you really need to do is keep going through it and learn patience. Amen? So a few, you, there's a whole bunch of reasons why after this message you might come to the front. You may be so focused on what you don't have and what you want to have that you're mistreating or neglecting what you do have and you need to come to the front and be like, Lord, if I haven't made an Ishmael, help me now so I don't. Or you might be like, man, I for sure made an Ishmael and this is a mess. Either way, come get some prayer. Amen? I don't know what your Ishmael is or might be, but I do know that I can do all things. Let me say that another way for you today. I can handle all things through Christ who gives me strength. Would you all stand up with me? For many of the people here who are going through a process, desperate for a miracle, this is not the sermon you wanted. But I believe it's the sermon that you need. Don't let impatience produce any more rotten and ugly fruit in your life. Don't let impatience create Ishmael's that will be with you and eventually with your promise for the rest of your life. But if you have made one, come on down the front right now and I'm going to pray for you. Just come on down. Come on down. Either way, I don't know what your story is, whether you're asking God, help me not make one. God, help me keep my eyes right. God, help me stay the course. God, help me be patient. You can ask God to help you be patient, by the way. Come on down. I'm going to pray for you. Awesome. Come on down. Anybody else? I'm going to pray for you any minute now, any moment now. Awesome. 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 Hey, every time I see you, the Holy Spirit tells me I need to have coffee with you. But you're always gone by the time I get out there. Mainly because on Saturday nights, I can't really go out in the lobby because I lose my voice talking to everybody. I've got to preach two more times. And so I don't really. And so I want to. But then I don't get to see you. But Laura, right behind you, see this lady behind you? Do you know Laura? She's right there. She's one of our staff, one of our pastors. She's rad. She's going to get your details. But it's been about three weeks in a row where I'm like, it's been about three weeks in a row where I keep seeing you and God's telling me I got to get coffee with you. So we're going to do that, okay? It's going to be fun. You're a cool dude. Looking forward to getting to know you. When do I get coffee? Be patient. No, <laughs> All right. Just do me a favor, church, and reach your, reach your hands out towards your brothers and sisters down here. And when I'm done praying with you guys down the front, at the end of the service, stick around and my team can come and pray for you as well. But Heavenly Father, I thank you for all of these men and women down here. God, that um, though you had a plan, our humanity has not surprised you. And that God, when you called us, 
Every one of us, Lord God, before the foundations of the earth were laid, you had a plan for our lives. And when you made that plan, you knew the dumb, stupid stuff that we would do. And you still made us, and you still called us, and you still pour out your grace on our lives. And so God, I just pray first and foremost that everyone down here, God, whether they've made an Ishmael, we're about to make an Ishmael, whether they've been looking at foolishness and being tempted, whether they've jumped in bed with foolishness, so to speak, that God, whatever their story is, I pray that right now that the greatest thing that happens right now is that you just pour out your grace on them. That it wouldn't just be a word, it wouldn't just be a concept, but it would be something that they feel right now, the grace of their loving Father right now in Jesus' name. That there is no Ishmael that can outrun the grace of God. Pour out your grace on them, I pray in Jesus' name. And Lord God, I pray that as they repent and as they humble themselves before you, that God, that they would know in their hearts that, 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 that they are not their sin, they are not the sum of their past mistakes, they, they're still children of the Most High God, you're still their Heavenly Father. You still love them, you still got a plan for them, and you still want to bring the promise to fruition in their lives. God, some of them have created Ishmael's thorns in the promised Isaac's side. Maybe they've already got the promise, but Ishmael's just running around barking like a dog. Well, God, I pray that you give them the strength to handle the Ishmael. God, that you give them the conviction to be honest and humble about the fact that there is an Ishmael. But in spite of my Ishmael, God still gave me an Isaac. And that in the story where they talk about what they did wrong, they'd be able to also talk about what God did right. How in spite of Ishmael, God brought Isaac. How in spite of messing around with Hagar, God honoured me through Sarah. Lord God, I pray that for every one of them, Lord God, that you give them the strength to deal with the Ishmaels. Give them the strength. Holy Spirit, give them the strength right now. God, as they walk out of this place today, that they would be like, I've got the strength. I feel strong. I don't feel ashamed. Maybe there's regret, but I don't feel ashamed. I feel strong enough to handle this Ishmael. And God's gonna protect my Isaac. Just like after thousands of years, he sent another country called America to protect the other Isaac called Israel. God, I pray you send some countries to protect their Isaacs in Jesus' name. And God, for those here who haven't maybe made an Ishmael yet, but wow, they're close. God, give them the strength to stand firm in Jesus' name. God, give them the strength, the patience to submit to the process to submit to the process. They wouldn't have fake faith that imitates real faith, but they'd have faith that trusts in you and submits to your process, your word. In Jesus' name I pray. Can someone say amen? Come on, give the Lord a shout of praise. Come on, give somebody a hug down here. Come on now. Give somebody a hug. Come on now. God's ministering to y'all down here. Praise God. Sometimes in the middle of a sermon like that, you're like, I just need a hug. Come on now. We're brothers and sisters. Before we go, could you all stay down here for a minute? Before we go, I've got one minute to, um, to pray a prayer with people. And, and actually, honestly, you all owe me about 15 minutes from uh, ending the service early last week. And I hope not for one second you thought that that wasn't, that I wasn't going to cash that check. All right. I earned it. All right. Pay our worker his wages. All right, right, I'm going to get on with the... Some of y'all have no idea what I'm even talking about, but anyway. I just need three more minutes of your time, is what I'm actually saying. If you're here today and you don't know Jesus, give Him your life. If you're here today and you've walked away from God, give Him your life. Life is better God's way, okay? 
Come on, life is better God's way. The cool thing about God is God's way, you can avoid Ishmael's. But the other cool thing about God is if you make an Ishmael, God will help you deal with it. God's really good and He really loves you. And He's got a great plan for your life. And if I was you, I'd give Him my life tonight. I wouldn't walk out of this place being like, I don't know what's going to happen if I get hit by a bus. I, I want to go, I, I, I want to spend eternity in heaven. I don't mind giving you a fire and brimstone. If you don't know God, you go to hell. If you do, spend eternity in heaven. Actually, for a bit. And then God creates a new heaven and a new earth. And we come back alive again. It's a cool story. It's not just some weird eternity church belief, by the way. That's like every single church. God's got a great plan for your life. His way is better. So today, if I was you, I'd give him my life right now. And I'd say yes to the better life that God planned for you. Thank you so much for listening to this message. If you enjoyed it, please check out our other episodes. If you would like to connect with Eternity Church, be sure to go to myeternity.com or follow us on Facebook and Instagram at myeternitychurch. We'll see you next week. Love you heaps.